Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. We've got Jason Theobald back in the house. Jason, what's going on, man? Not much. Here to uh, record another another uh, good episode here. Doing pretty well. We're, we're 13 episodes in, and you know what, man? We have not had a guest on the show yet, and we saved our very first guest. This is a very important topic, and what better guest to have on than Vince Pitstick. Vince, welcome to the show, man. I did not know I was your first guest. I feel honored, and uh, it's hit me just out of no. I appreciate it, guys. I respect both of you. I think this podcast is a force to be reckoned with. Congratulations on the collaboration. Thank you. Congratulations on your guys' expertise coming together. We have these alpha mentalities. We don't come together and share our knowledge, and you guys are, are definitely a force to be reckoned with. Congratulations. Thanks, man. I, uh, I appreciate that. So, yeah, we're super excited about this topic. And, you know, Vince, you probably don't want to talk about yourself. People don't like that. So, Jason, if you don't mind, kind of introduce Vince. And, Vince, if we miss anything or if you miss anything, go ahead and go ahead and brag on Definitely. yourself a little. But, Jason, go ahead and tell us. Uh, yeah, I'll do my best. Um, so, Vince owns Nutrition Dynamic. Um, it's one of the biggest nutrition, you know, functional medicine um, conglomerates out there probably in the country. Um, I, I think he has about 20 coaches now, um, give uh, or take. Yeah, yeah, close, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, he also is co-owner in new ethics with myself and Stephanie. Um, he, he and I formulate, she runs the show. Um, he's been a coach as far as I know for about uh, 10 years now. And, um, as far as a lot of the stuff that I've learned through functional nutrition and medicine, uh, he kind of started that fire for me. Um, so if I get stuck these days, I don't have to bug him as much as I used to, but if I get stuck, he's the first guy I go to, uh, on really anything hormonal, uh, related Dutch tests, anything. I had to call him a couple of times this week on really difficult cases. So, um, he's, uh, he's, you know, we're, we're lucky to have him here on the, on the show. Yeah, well, man. Vince, what else we miss, man? Well, it's first off, it's mutual. As much as he uses me for some of his, the functional tools, I, I call them for the performance tools. So it was kind of one of those things a long time ago. I met one of the first coaches that I wasn't sure I could beat. And if you can't beat them, join them, they say, right? So, uh, you know, uh, it was, uh, it was, it's great to have uh, both of you with me today. Cause I, uh, I, you know, t- for John and some of you that I've watched for so long, uh, you know, 20 years ago is really when I started the functional coaching aspect of it, started getting involved with certain doctors. And at the time I'd started tinkering with prep coaching and when I started bringing up some of these ideas in functional medicine into the macro community, the bodybuilding community, I got with a lot of negativity and a lot of doubt. And I doubted myself for a long time. Um, and I was a functional medicine consultant. I taught them how to do nutrition and some functional medicine approaches uh, for a company called Metagenics for a lot of years. And I started formulating this concept of a blend between performance prep coaching um, and functional nutrition. And I came up with nutrition dynamic and said, I'm, I'm done teaching doctors to do it. And you know, who's really taken to it is more the prep community, the fitness community, the health coaching community. And that's really just kind of come up underneath this whole thing the last 10 years and a rising tide raises all, you know, ships. And that's kind of what's happened. It's been a, a wild ride the last couple of years. So to be on here with the audience that you have uh, being listened to and, and explained as an expert is an honor. And I, I laugh sometimes because, uh, I was doubted greatly, but today it's an honor to be here. So it's great. 
Yeah, you know what, um, Jason, I think we should talk about this because I think that lays the groundwork for the show. So, Vince, I first met you a couple years ago. You came to the Physique Summit Conference. Uh, you and Jason had a new ethics booth. Of course, Jason, you were presenting. And this is one of those things to where, you know, this has been around quite a while. This is not new in the medical community, but in the prep community and in, in the bodybuilding community, you know, we're, we're still early on this. There are very, very few coaches out here that are starting to kind of piece it all together. And Jason, I'm going to give you and Vince a lot of credit here because you guys really started this two or three years ago and you've pushed people like me to really dig in, to learn more. Um, and it's causing more people to step up. I mean, you guys are in high demand, especially, you know, Jason, you're doing these classes online. Talk about how this is, we're kind of setting the trend for coaches to become more than just macro coaches. Like here's, here's your macros and your cardio, just do all this. Don't worry about what you eat. This is so important these days. Vince, you want to go first, bud? Yeah, I think. You're the guest. Um, yeah, sure. I, I think what you're beginning to see, uh, John, uh, is that the, the formation of a new age of coach. And you've got your coaches such as yourself and others who have been very successful um, prior to this emergence. And I think, I think you're seeing a very simple, like, evolve or die kind of situation in the market right now. Yep. I think that a lot of coaches, if they don't start branching into something they're uncomfortable with, they're not going to have some of the tools that are necessary that do come from the medical community to successfully navigate not only the current physique of the uh, client, but the long-term health of the client. And I think a lot of us are beginning to recognize that there is a long-term uh, outlook that we need to kind of look out a little bit for our clients when they're, when they're, trying to perform at their best or become their best. And those tools only come from the functional medicine community. One of them we're talking about today is gut health. And if, you know, that's it. So today there's so few doing it, but the ones that are going to get uncomfortable, learn something new, uh, that's going to be the new age coach that's going to dominate the next 20 to 30 years of coaching. Yeah, he's right. And like, I like to refer to as the hybrid coach, like it's no more that, you know, you can, you know, you can, you're very good at just macros or just even setting up diets because unfortunately there's so many, and I'm putting quotations around the word sick, but there's so many athletes out there that just aren't being trained right. Or even just because of, you know, just how intense our society is these days that we're always on that their bodies are just a wreck and you know, they're not going to respond to the typical just, well, here's your, here's your diet, go do some hit cardio and let's train six days a week. They're not, it's, it's evolving and, and those people need help. And so they're coming to people like myself and Vince and, you know, so a lot of coaches that are recognizing like yourself, John are, are now, you know, getting educated and saying, Hey, I want to be part of the solution, not just part of the problem as well. And that's what started with me when Vince took me to the Great Lakes Conference in 2017 after I saw what he had done with my wife to help her. And, um, you know, my eyes were just open. I came back from that conference and I told him, I said, I I'm, I'm going to get educated on this. And that's when I found, you know, he helped me talk to some people there and we found that 48 hour education seminar. And from there I just ran with it. So, um, I saw the writing on the wall and that's how new ethics was kind of born as well. So, um, I, I really think the hybrid coach is, is where it's going to be over the next 10 years. 
Yeah, and you know what? I, I think that – sorry, Vince. Um, I just want to say real quick, you know, with the emergence of all these coaches thanks to social media, I mean, it's so oversaturated right now. You have so many bland, vanilla, generic coaches that are just, you know, as I call macro coaches. And we saw this years ago, Jason, you and I did. Vince, you'll probably agree with this. But, you know, we saw a lot of the bro coaches back in the day um, start to – um, quit working with people because they got put out of business by coaches that were actually counting macros by people that were using science and applying some science to their, to their practice and as a coach. And we saw, you know, you see, see some of those people that won't learn, they kind of go away. They kind of go away by the wayside. It's like you trim the dead leaves, so to speak. And I think what's going to happen now is this, we're so early on this in our part of the industry, this is going to start trim away some of those, those dead leaves the people that just can't make it. They can't seem to make, because they're not going to learn. They're not going to learn this stuff in the 10 to 20 years. If you don't, you're fucking behind the times. It's kind of like writing just a bro diet, you know, you know, from 10 to 15 years ago, you can't do that shit these days. Everybody wants macro. So that, that's kind of how I see it impacting the industry. Vince, I'm sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right, John. Um, and, and, and when I saw this a long time ago, because not only that, let me share with you guys something. There's going to be a whole new demographic for these coaches. Like right now we're all competing for fitness clients. I'm telling you the, the, the coach that learns to hybrid this thing will open themselves up to oh, the, the demographic of fitness yep. times the demographic of wellness and, and lifestyle and people who maybe not even are into that into training is five times, yep. 10 times the market that we're all piling on top of each other for because the medical community needs the principles of macro prep uh, lifestyle and the way that we evaluate clients, the way that we structure programs, the way that we're able to put them into a process and give them support is unlike anything the medical community has ever seen. And so this area that we think we're piling on top of each other, the market right now is unlimited. But for those who want to hang on to old ideas, they're not going to be able to differentiate themselves. And that's why we need coaches who were even successful in the old guard, like you, John, that are brave enough to step out and say, I don't really care what some of your opinions are of me. I see the writing on the wall. You see my credentials. I don't need to prove it to you. And so if I say that this is something, you need to look at it. We need coaches like that because my name a long time ago wasn't big enough. People were looking at me like, this guy doesn't know anything he's talking about, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, you know, it's one of those things kind of like hairdressers is what I was going to say. You know, people that are barbers, they never run out of hair to cut ever. I can see this even within the bodybuilding community, Jason, I don't see us ever running out of clients because there's so many people just in bodybuilding that need to be fixed. And this, mm -hmm. this is kind of the light, you know what I mean? To kind of shine down that dark tunnel. I just don't see, I've been busier than ever over the last six months. 100%. So, you know, if, if you're a coach out there and you're struggling and you're not getting a lot of clients, it's, it's because you don't know what you're doing really. And it, it, once you start learning this and you start helping people, that's going to help spread the word. Your clients 100%. are going to talk about that. So it's, it's just so important. Um, guys, real quick, I don't want to spend too much time on, uh, on kind of the banter because I'll talk all day like that. So let's talk about something new that you guys have learned this week or something interesting that you yep. want to pass yep. along. I'll just go ahead and kick this off real quick. I just got back from Oklahoma City. I attended the Nutridine Functional Med Summit. A lot of it was was over gut health um, and the gut and brain connection. So it was pretty cool. That was over in Oklahoma City, and I learned a lot there. And some of that I put into uh, the topics today. But we're going to kind of play the role of, 
I'm going to be the coach that needs to learn more, so to speak. I'm going to be kind of like one of the listeners out there right now that needs to learn more and I'll feed you guys questions and you guys be the quote unquote experts. And that's, that's kind of how we'll, we'll do the take on the show. But I wanted to pass along to people attending these conferences is the best thing that I think people can do. Nutridine conferences are all over the place. They're yes. freaking cheap. I took my whole team. There was four of us. I paid a hundred dollars total. For all four of us to attend. Yeah, I mean, the hotel was nice. It was like 130 bucks a night. Well worth it. You guys can't go wrong with those functional medicine summits. What's uh, what's new with you guys that you want to pass along? You want me to go first or go on Vince? It doesn't matter. You guys go ahead. I'll just jump in because mine's simple. Um, So I have a client today. Um, We um, got her ready. Um, She was doing figures, so we had to get her in pretty good shape. Um, She's an Arnold amateur. Did top five and figure. Then we put wellness and she said, as she's lining up, all these girls were really soft and she ended up in what she thinks is last, the last, uh, spot, uh, last, um, she looks phenomenal, but she's saying that, you know, the girls were looking pretty soft and that's nothing. That's not the knock. My, the, the thing is that I'm that at least the first thing that we're seeing is, is that wellness is going to be pretty soft. Now, Will that stay that way? I don't know. And she's going to get feedback from the judges and we'll have picks that should be online soon. I haven't had a chance to go to any of the, the places because I, well, I don't know if we'll have picks because none of the media was allowed to be there. Right. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't, maybe. I think there's some, but yeah, I mean, there, there is no audience. So there's right. not going to be so, as, half the coverage this year. Right. So like, you know, I kept thinking like, well, pro bikini is really pretty hard. So I'm, I was assuming wellness would be pretty hard now, you know, Years ago, when men's physique came out, the first few guys were super small that were winning, and then it got bigger and better and harder and blah blah blah. So, but right now, the report to me is is that the girls looked about ten weeks out. So, you know, word to the wise uh, on wellness, it might not be uh, quite as, um, and I don't want to call bikini hard, but those pro bikini girls are they're pretty in shape, so it right. might not be quite uh, like that. Yeah, you know what, man? This is probably something we need to follow up on next week because right now all you know is the first day and you don't know yeah. the actual – you don't know her placing yet. Um, she's pretty lean. Let's let's follow up next week and let's tell everybody kind of how they were judging. Um, yep. y- you said she was in the amateur portion, right? I don't think they have yes. a pro yep. portion. Yeah, the first amateur pro portion. show. Right. Yep. Um, Leslie's getting ready for the first pro show this year Pro show, in, right? in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, that'll be important because she's only like four or five pounds over stage. And if right. it, people need to know where the line is in conditioning, especially yeah. in the first year. So that, yeah, I think that'll coaches. be, some, yeah, that, that'll be some good feedback for our listeners that are, Cause, you know, I keep, cause I'm, I'm thinking Les, I'm keeping Leslie in my mind and I'm like, I keep thinking, you know, she's got to be about as hard as pro bikini girls. Right. But you know, I, I don't know which direction they're going here. So now I'm kind of like, oh, we'll see. So I'm really anxious to get picks from the whole weekend and see what what's going on. You know what, man? I'd rather have someone that was too lean than than fucking soft like that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Amen. Yeah. Vince, what do you got, brother? Well, so part of you know nutrition dynamics goal is to make the sport that we love so much uh, in competition safe for everyone. And I, no one does more labs on me in damage cases or just standard competitors. And one of the things that some data has been coming out showing how the interaction of um, estrogen uh, alpha receptors, so you have alpha and beta, and they're finding that when there's huge surges in estrogen alpha, that it increases TH2 or immunity activity. And what that could mean is if someone's predispositioned for an autoimmune disease, 
PCOS, um, uh, like Hashimoto's, it will significantly increase the risk uh, when that number jumps dramatically. And that happens in a rebound from people who just diet really long or yo-yo or coming off a couple shows or they're going for the absolute max on stage. So for example, Jason was talking about how hard he had to bring in his, his female client to try for this wellness division. Well, now Jay does a great job of his reverses and all the other stuff. So I'm not trying to get into that, but I'm saying what we're, we're learning is that inappropriate reverses can potentially increase the risk, Hashimoto's, Graves, um, uh, other autoimmune diseases, and that connection. And we're really studying that aggressively here. And I hope to have way more information for coaches all out there, how to protect their clients as they go for, um, you know, go for that greatness. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's such an interesting topic. I, I've had three clients this year with that exact same situation where, you know, from 2010 until 2017, 18, I didn't have anyone that, that had any issues like that. Um, and it was probably there. They just didn't figure it out until they were done working with me. And I just never heard about it. Um, yeah. But now, now that I've been getting labs the last few years, I'm starting, you know, getting reports from their doctors that they can pass on to me. I'm starting to see more and more of it. Um, do you think that's, that's more? Well, here's available? part of it though. Like, you know, a lot of times doctors only test TSH and T4. You've got to be looking at your TPO, AB antibodies to, right. to see it. And I stop everybody right there. So here's, here's, here's the rub. Right now we have an opportunity. If you're a coach and you're listening, as simple as something of requesting labs. And if you yep. go on my Nutrition Dynamic website, you go into my labs, nutritiondynamic.com. I put up the labs up so you guys can see what you should be generally looking at in the thyroid panel. If you even do that, you're doing more for a client than they could go out on their own in the free health industry or whatever and, and obtain this information. You just right there have provided a whole new value just getting or requesting labs. You don't even have to have a relationship with a lab company. You have now added a level to your game that is going to bring you a step above everyone else. Just that one thing. And you can keep people safe just yep. by monitoring those levels. You know what? I'm going to put a link up to your website, Vince. Um, so if you guys are listening to the show now, which obviously you are, um, you can just go in the description wherever you're listening to the podcast and you can click on it. It'll take you right to Vince's site. There's so many labs there. I've got clients that use it as well. Um, yep, you bet. So go ahead and check out that link there in the show notes. So guys, let's go ahead and get to our topic today. And, you know, I'll be honest. Vince, we're probably going to have you back on. This will be one that I think we need to break down to the simplest level, which you guys do a great job of, um, and kind of do like an intro and talk about some of the important things that most coaches and athletes need to listen to, because that's the people that are listening to the show. We've either got people like me that are serious about their physique enhancement or people that are competing and getting on stage, and then mixed all in there, we've got a lot of coaches and trainers. So I want to break it down because... You know, if this was me two years ago and I'm like, gut health, well, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't want to hear about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not the sexiest thing in the world for most people listening, but they need to understand. And that's why I think you two are the, are the perfect people to talk about this. So um, kind of break it down, you know, what the common, the common listener and coach needs to kind of know. I think the first thing to understand about your gut, I think when a lot of people look at gut or they hear the word gut they just pretty much think about bloating uh, i think they think about constipation um and, and 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 they don't maybe they think probiotics but they don't realize that, that the gut it, it, at its core 
is responsible for the assimilation of everything that we learn in nutrition. You will approximately eat 25 tons of food over the course of your life that has to be assimilated, broke down, and then used um, by the gut. And the different things we do to the body and some of the prep work and how we feed the body, supplements that we use, types of ways that we train, when we, um, it, you know, whether it's intra-workout, pre-post-workout, when we feed around uh, training, has a huge impact, believe it or not, on the gut. And we're working with the gut when we, when we build a program. And so people don't realize that the gut is going to be responsible for how you feel about yourself because it, it affects neurotransmitters. It's going to affect the way that you, how much uh, amino acids you absorb, how much you get out of your food, how much energy you have. And then if your gut's off, how much damage it can actually do to your metabolism long-term, which I'm sure we'll get into later. Okay. One of the things, Jason, I, I figured we could kind of kick this off too and talk about some of the things we see from bodybuilders, especially larger bodybuilders, here's, here's the thing that I see. I see a lot of people, you know, in natural bodybuilding, it's all about flexible dieting, IFYM. People are eating shit tons of gluten, dairy, sweeteners. Their cortisol is really high. Their caffeine levels are through the roof. I see a lot of that on my end. Um, how much are you seeing of that on your end? And also, you work with a lot of larger assisted bodybuilders. How much are you seeing guys come to you eating 12 ounces of fucking meat for six meals a day for years? Like, how much are you seeing that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, I see it. <laughs> I see it a lot when I, when I get my hands on a, on a bigger guy. Um, even some of, you know, um, guys that aren't, you know, your 250 pound guys, um, you know, but, but I'm with you, like usually with, with a bodybuilder, um, the main things that are causing problems for them are, you know, a shitty whey protein, um, you know, over, overuse of protein in general. And then you hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, a lot of gluten, and artificial sweeteners like you see a lot of artificial sweeteners like it's all in their protein powder they're slamming pre-workouts they're slamming some sort of intra-workout with more aspartame or, or splenda and so honestly um you know unless i get something and i don't think we're gonna get into this tonight uh but unless i get something that you know sends off bells and whistles i think they might have like some sort of you know gut bacteria issue I'm just cleaning up the diet, man. I'm I'm showing them low FODMAP type diets, uh, putting out dairy, um, and just getting them off all that artificial sweetener. I put them on our ISO perfect and I just tell them, look, uh, you don't, you don't need to be slamming all that Splenda. And a lot of times, man, I digestion improves in a week and they lose like five pounds of water, you know, cause they're so inflamed. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things I want to ask you both. What are your thoughts on having too, you talked about overuse of protein in general, Jason, were you talking about overuse of like whey protein with lots of splenda? No, just, I think, uh, I think bodybuilders and we were talking about males tend to overeat protein for their needs in general. Right. Right. So Definitely. any, any form, you know, like too much chicken, too much whey, too much eggs, just all of it in general. And I, I was there when I was early in my career of bodybuilding, I did that. And I was like, oh, I guess you just have to walk around bloated and gassy. You know, that's what you have to do. No, you don't. We can, you can fix it. You know, so one of the interesting perspectives I can show you on this is because we do so much testing, I've done a lot of stool tests on these guys and you're exactly right. What you're seeing is actually because of some of the gear, high protein dieting, the use of artificial sweeteners. Uh, also a lot of times because when you've got to carb load them. So let's say um, you've got them hitting a, a high of like 500 carbs on, on a weekend or, or you've got them coming in, they're, they're loading themselves before a show. Maybe you're at eight, nine, uh, a thousand. 
what happens is that load that quickly, um, especially with poor digestion, um, because of stress hormones, maybe, you know, fat burners, whatever they're doing, you know, the, maybe some gear for cutting of some kind that, that turns down, that's flight or fight. And that turns down the ability to rest and digest. Those are two different mm-hmm. functions of the central nervous system. And so when a food sits like carbohydrates, it ferments. What do we know fermenting from? We ferment we alcohol. Ferment alcohol. <laughs> that draws yeast. So every one of these guys, every one of them has yeast coming out their pores. And so, but do they care about that enough to go really far? So that's where functional medicine ends at some point. And we say, okay, what's the, what's the middle ground that'll help them all? Well, stop feeding the yeast so much, even though you've got it. If you get it down and stop feeding it so much, then you're better. By cut, everything Jay just said is the way to do that. But they've all got a bunch of yeast. And what they don't realize, a lot of them have distension in the belly. And they think it's just from like doing crunches and maybe some of it's got no growth belly if you go really far with it. Right. But, but the rest of it, it's actually you're distended because you got too much yeast and food because you're not taking digestive enzymes and cutting out some of the junk. Food, proteins putrefy, fats rancidify, and carbohydrates ferment. And it's all happening right on your stomach lining and in your small intestine. So the, the question, <laughs> yeah, the, the question a lot of people listening are probably wondering is, so why is this important to me? Why do I need to know this right now? So if you guys would lay it out why this is such an important topic and how it ties to things like muscle gain, how it ties to fat loss, go ahead and kind of lay that out for us. Yeah, you might find start yeah, here. You're our guest. People want to hear you. They hear me blab all the time. <laughs> the number one thing for guys to hear, and, and you don't realize it, one of the reasons that you have to get you think or you are getting your protein so high is because the, the research with branch chain amino acids and the ability to reproduce or protein synthesize muscle synthesis and that branch chain packet that you get in protein has a very small window called the small intestine to absorb. If it does not absorb at that time, it doesn't absorb in the large intestine. It doesn't absorb in the colon. And so what happens is you've got a small package window that that food better be broke down pretty good from proteins into peptides into amino acids. That is a, that's a process of enzymatic relationship wherein by you have to have pepsin, you have to have hydrochloride, you have to have your pancreatic enzymes uh, that help break that apart. So as it delivers into the small intestine, you've got that window to absorb all that food that you're shoving down your throat. And if you have poor digestion, there are, there are different statistics out there, but they're suggesting somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, on average, 20 to 30% of those amino acids are going right into the toilet that came from that food. Yeah, so malabsorption. Malabsorption is the number one. And then you've got to eat so much more to try to compensate for yeah. that. I think that's the number one, Jay. You want to hit two? Well, I mean, you pretty much hit right in the head. My, my answer was going to be, look, the biggest problem is malabsorption. And, you know, once I get them supplementing with digestive enzymes, some, some butane hydrochloric, um, they really don't need as much food as they thought. And they actually start, start growing, um, again, because they are now absorbing all their vitamins, minerals, and the protein and and all the food that they need. So yeah, I was, I wasn't going to be able to give as technical an answer, but my whole thing was it's malabsorption and they start growing way better. Um, not needing to pound all that food, um, and that, that was kind of where I was at. After I went to the GLC, I looked at Vince and I said, "You know, I know I have a gut issue. I really need to start beefing it up." And um, that's where I started. And you know, my progress the last four years has been amazing. I'm not saying it's all that, but I put a lot of stress on my gut, um, no, and I'm sure no. I had malabsorption. 
Number two is going to be bloating and uncomfortability and distension. So there's a difference between bloating and distension. Bloating would be like I maybe was low on my sodium and my water and I went out and I ate at the Sizzler and I got in 5,000 milligrams of sodium and tomorrow I woke up looking like the Michelin man. So that's bloating. But bloating has a, does have an impact on, so the gut, if, if it's not, you're not absorbing food very well and you're holding, um, it's going to mess a little bit with aldosterone levels. So you'll notice you, you have more efficiency with a little bit of less bloating uh, based around food um, with, with the right gut in, in place. The second or the third thing there is the distension. So there's a difference and people don't realize this. They think bloating, when my stomach sticks out, that's bloating. Well, yeah, it is. But we're talking about the actual distension, meaning stomach being pushed out. So guys that are real big on the vacuum, uh, guys that are, um, want a good look while they're building and doing these different things, and they're looking themselves at the mirror on different days to see if they're cutting, and I see this a lot, based on whether they're digesting their food well, it will change both water retention on the surface and distension, which in their mind tells them if they're cutting or not. I, I have not, you know how many times I've seen coaches try to cut over digestive issues? Like, oh yeah it's not so so cleaning that up can bring in a waste i've seen it on many many athletes especially if it's particularly bad um and obviously women a little bit more because they've got you know it's more um definition there in terms of um uh, the waste is more important in a female in a lot of t in a lot of areas and different you know the different um, levels so you sometimes are going to focus on a woman there more than you would a man but believe me, a guy off over time, if he doesn't do like a, like a GI reset real quick, things like that, he'll never know what we're talking about. So you never know what you get out of it if you don't try. Yeah, and you know what? I think there's two great examples there that you guys um, would know right off the bat. Jason, obviously, you're working with Leslie this year. You know, I've done her yeah. prep like 12 freaking times, right? So she wanted to go with you and learn something new. And one of the things you did is is you you reset her digestive system, and she's yeah. on a on a FODMAP type approach. But what I saw here, seeing her, was she slowly started to get leaner. She yeah. got hungrier she looked better on the same freaking calories and i'm not talking about just cleaning it up for a week i'm talking about over the course of five six seven eight weeks she just started getting fucking lean like yeah. real lean and then she started prepping a great place but you're the other example look at you now compared to three or four years ago right. you're the leanest and most muscular you've ever been with the smallest waist you've ever been it's not like you're eating less food or pounding more food like you're still in the same ranges how important is this for people that are listening that want to look leaner and build muscle better? I think it goes back to that malabsorption piece. That's a big part of it. But I think with, with Jay too, and I want him to talk a little bit about this. The last point that I was going to make that like that fourth point is uh, glucose and insulin sensitivity. Actually, where it's going to start is the gut because the amount of um, permeability um, the difference between maybe like a plastic service and a sponge, right? One's way more porous than another. Uh, the gut should not be that porous. And so what I find is I'm watching guys who will like, let's say we watch glucose numbers. So like we're looking at blood sugars post a refeed or two hours after a meal. And I'm finding that guys to stay fuller that have gut issues have to take in a larger carbohydrate dose because what happens is they're actually, they're loading up with the carbs. There's those carbs are spilling through a hyperpermeable gut too quickly. Sugars jack up high and then crash. And they actually, that flattens you out. Now, granted, you still have muscle and insulin partitioning and glucose partitioning that's occurring inside the vascular system. And that's a study unto itself. 
but you're actually starting in the gut. And, and Jay, why don't you lead more into that? Because you have firsthand experience with your optimization there. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's a really good point, actually. You know, the thing that I've seen the most is I don't lose insulin sensitivity really at all throughout the year. Um, it just kind of stays. And I respond to every single training session. And at the same time, like John said, I'm not, I didn't really pull back on my food. Like I'm eating about the same amount of food. I'm just, I'm using it better. And so therefore, like I am getting a better response every single time I train. And so everything is just more efficient. And, um, you know, I can, I can definitely attribute that to, to beefing up my you know, um, digestive tract. And, you know, I, I, I do a lot for digestion. I mean, I eat low FODMAP mainly. Um, I don't, I'm not a guy that can pound a ton of fiber. Um, I, uh, I don't take a lot of cheat meals. Um, if I do, it's like healthy food. So I go out to dinner all the time, but I, I eat healthy. I don't, I don't slam junk anymore. And then I take our utilized products. So I'm getting pancreatin, I'm getting, um, the betaine, um, you know, uh, I take a probiotic, uh, I take our gourmet greens, which gives me prebiotics to feed the probiotics. So I've got a full thing that I do for my gut health. And, you know, I definitely, like Ben said, you know, I've stayed more insulin sensitive, but I just respond to my training better. Every, I don't, when, when you, what I should tell people is when you start to lose insulin sensitivity, your pumps are going to fade. You're not going to respond as well. Um, you know, I kind of feels anabolic to your training. And I just don't really have those periods where I have to reset or anything like that. But I am on my gut health nonstop. Let me yeah. give you one last technical one that's a really good example. Shout out Alan Kress. I'm working with Alan, uh, IFBB Pro. And he, one of the things that was he were having problems with, he's having a bit of this issue and he was staying bloating and distended, but he needed all those extra carbs to fill them out yeah. um, that he was taking one day a week at the end of the week. And I said, listen, let me get in there, kill some of that yeast. Okay. And, and, and then, but he was still having some symptoms right there uh, with those, with those uh, surpluses that he was doing. Mm -hmm. And, and he was committed. He said, I had to stay full to stay full. I got to hit this number, but when I hit this number, it causes problems. And I, so we went back, we're trying, the problems were doing, I got them, you know, 10 weeks out of show, but I was able to knock out a lot already within five weeks. He's been able to go ahead and drop his, his surplus into below 400, which it was well above do it for two days and actually he's staying fuller longer and he's hitting new lows. Right. Yeah. So just from a fixing the gut, we didn't change much else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what Vince meant by that was when he was saying, unfortunately got him at 10 weeks, like he's already in prep. And so the best way to fix this stuff is before you're in prep and you got that extra stress on the body, it would be a lot easier when you can put the nutrients into the healing and then worry about the cut after. Like we don't usually cut people uh, that come to us with gut problems. We fix the gut and then worry about, the cut later yeah so let's let's talk about that so you know we'll start off people listening are wondering well how do i know if i have issues so what do you guys normally do are you looking at labs are you sending out a question i mean i know the answer to this but tell the listeners are you looking at labs are you looking at a questionnaire where you're looking for symptoms what do you guys like to do vince vince will start on that um so uh, okay so a couple things here um one is if you're not sure you're having issues there are some really good guidelines um, right on, on, on like PubMed or um, you know, to kind of like look for like a, a list of symptoms. And if you have a yes to a few of them, you know, there's some something going on there. But just basic ones, if you distend after eating, if 
you're, sit, you're, you're spending too much time on the toilet or not fully going or going too much. If you don't go twice a day, you might want to think about something's going on. If you notice that um, you're, 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 you're eating your carb meals and you're spiking with energy, then dropping, but staying flatter. If you notice that um, uh, your stool, there's a, so this one, we could go here. Very easy. Stool Crystal. assessment. Yeah. If your stool floats, you're not digesting your fats. Fat, yeah. You're right. If, if your stool comes out odd colors, like light green, things like that, your pancreatic enzymes aren't hitting them enough. And you probably need a little bit more fiber. If it's coming out real PC, it's definitely because you have a fiber and a pancreatic issue. Um, if whole food's still in there, uh, it means that you need to take hydrochloric acid betaine. So a simple stool analysis will help you with some of that. And anybody says they don't look at their stool after they go is lying. So they can take a quick look and, and that would help too. But if you're getting a lot of distension, uncomfortability, maybe like uh, chest pressure from indigestion. You know, you've got some stuff going on there. So let's, now that people know like kind of what to look for, a lot of people think, well, shit, you know, I'll just throw a probiotic at this. I'll take some greens and that'll be that. What's the first thing that you guys do to start to fix somebody that has gut issues? Yeah. You want to start or I'll start. I mean, so one of my parts of my process is I, I send out a metabolic stress questionnaire and it asks a lot of things about, you know, diarrhea, digestion, or, uh, uh, constipation, bloat, pain, acid reflux, GERD, all these different things. And I start right away with the, with the nutrition piece. Like, you know, I own a supplement company, but I mean, at the end of the day, like we're, we're here to, to fix the nutrition, right? First and foremost, and then supplement, supplement. Um, so, you know, I know Vince really loves Mediterranean. I found it easier for my people. I've found a really nice list online that's low FODMAP. And then I usually modify it and put the dairy out because like on the FODMAP, you can still eat a lot of cheeses. And I just want to simplify things for a while and start to really get that inflammation down. And then, of course, I pull artificial sweeteners um, and, I, and I get the diet right for them. Um, and then I, I start, you know, with the, all right, well, you know, are, are they having, you know, is it acid reflux? Okay, well, I, I might need to definitely get betaine in there, um, hydrochloric acids, you know different things. Uh, and like Vince was saying, like, you know, if, if protein seems to be an issue, maybe I'm getting more betaine if, you know, whatever creatinine enzymes, I start to build around, um, supplementation to help, but I, I'm always looking at nutrition first. And then I'm also looking at the stress that's being put on the body. Like training may need to come down too, um, you know, to, to lessen the stress, uh, you gotta put lessen the stress on the body, uh, to allow it to heal because you have to be in parasympathetic rest and digest, right? To even digest, right? If you're stuck in sympathetic drive, all the blood's in other parts of your body when you're trying to digest. Um, so there's, it's a, it's a, it's a multi-facet, uh, yeah. well, do, do me a favor real quick. Um, go ahead and define what a FODMAP approach to eating is like, because I'm going to, I'm going to guess 95% sure. of the listeners have no idea what FODMAP is. So talk about that. So you're taking out certain carbohydrates, like in the food that are very hard to digest. And I forget what all the FOD stands for. Vince yeah, might I mean, know. If you want me to, I mean, this is an area that if, if you want, so if you want me to hop in on, on this one, I'm, I'm happy to do so. With, with if you know the definitions of every, I don't know, like what the, I know the ones like oligosaccharides and yeah. you know I, uh, all these different like rides. Yeah, absolutely. So what you're looking at is carbohydrates or you know uh, foods that carry a lot of fructose oligosaccharides or fibrous yeah. content that 
that tends to bind. These are, these are elements that help bind food together. So that's why it's similar FODMOPs would be included like with glutens. Gluten is actually um, a, a binding agent. So you've got, you've got two molecules there. You've got glutenin and glidin, and they're, they're kept to together um, and they bond together and that's what keeps food together. It's why in processed food, you tend to get three times the amount of gluten. It's, it's in the stamps that you lick. It's in your clothes. It's, it's a binding agent. And, and the standard American diet, which we also call the SAD diet, FODMOPs and binding agents are heavy. Right. And, and so you've got a lot of foods that carry this fibrous content that while would grow good bacteria, if, if the threshold goes past what your, your gut can handle at the time, will create bloating, gas, uh, and all the symptoms that go on and you don't digest it very well. Binds up in the gut is a, is a simple way of explaining something complex. So there's a list of foods. I love ibsdiets.org. That's it. That's the one I was just, I just pulled it up. I was going to give them that. Yep. Yeah. Ibsdiets.org. That's is the one I use. One. Um, now listen guys, and, and I need to be clear about this. If you're out there and you go, I tried that low FODMOP stuff and it, and it didn't work for me. I'm going to tell most of you what Jason's discussing is actually a process where you start with um, removal. I have a system that was trained to me. Uh, I'm, I'm what's called a Blandite. Jeffrey Bland is like the godfather of, of natural medicine. And he helped develop with uh, some other physicians that helped started the IFM, the Institute of Functional Medicine called the 5R or what was the 4R, now 5R program. And then at the first R that Jason's talking about is removal. Remove. We try to remove bacteria, uh, inflammatory foods, and foods that are hard to digest that cause some type of symptom. But that does not mean, and it's important everybody understands this, if you try to live a low FODMOP diet the rest of your life, it will actually cause gut issues because those right. FODMOPs help you grow good bacteria. You got to feed them. But unfortunately, until you get things right, they are causing problems. So you have to slowly take some of those out and get below the threshold that's causing an event. If some of you are having problems with that still, after you've pulled those foods out, my go-to, while I do recognize FODMOPs and try to keep the threshold low, I actually use something called low oxalate. Uh, low oxalate, you guys can look into, is actually a new and emerging science. And I, I find it to be extremely effective as well. But you're just trying to get low, below a threshold. And what do I mean by that? Well, I think everybody recognizes that I can have a slice of cheese, but uh, if I have 16 ounces of milk, I'm going to be on the toilet. That's because the body has a tolerable threshold. And once you've reached it, you will then have a symptom. So I don't want people to eliminate these foods and never take them back in because that's orthorexic behavior. I'm not promoting that. But in the other case, you start with removal. Once you've taken some of them out, you heal the gut, you heal some of the inflammation, you add in a few digestive enzymes, you change your diet and your stress level, because many of you will notice that if you eat a food one day and you're all kumbaya and it's rainbows and sunflowers, that food doesn't bother you. But if you're in the middle of your day, you're stressed out, you're running around like a crazy person, that same food at that same dose, same load will then cause an event. That's because the independent third dimension of digestion is stress. And that's why you have to take into account. And once you remove or calm or even those factors, you then can re-intro, which is one of that fifth R, some of these foods because you want to raise your threshold. You want some of these FODBOPs in your, in your diet, but that's how you have to start. Well, do, yeah. do me a favor, Vince. Um, go ahead and define your modified Mediterranean approach because a lot of people hear the Mediterranean diet and they're going to look up on Google and they're going to try and do this cookie cutter program. Like you guys are still going to hit your macros. You're just going to use foods from these lists. What, 
What do you like about the modified Mediterranean diet? So the Mediterranean diet, what, what, what does it characterize? First, we're not trying to get you into a religion. What I like about Mediterranean is it's not exclusive. It's not one of these diets that says never have this one thing. I think when you get down those roads, you're not getting a diet, you're getting a religion and you need to be careful what you're consuming, both, both you know, psychologically and uh, nutritionally. And what it's defined by is its diversity. It's going to have all, all like the different proteins. It's going to emphasize healthy fats. It's going to emphasize low glycemic index carbohydrates. That would be something like uh, quinoa, sweet potato, um, brown rice, um, uh, millet, uh, Ezekiel bread. Um, it's going to look at it's going to look at healthier fats. It's going to kind of draw down the saturated fat a little bit and, and look at MUFAs, monounsaturated fats. So you're looking at things like olive oil, flaxseed oil, things like that. Um, avocados, almonds. Um, but again, if you get too high in the almonds, that's an oxalate. So it might cause a little bit of a digestive issue, but you just learn to play with that a little bit. But the Mediterranean diet really focuses on those things, staying away from processed foods, staying away from fake sugars, not getting into the ho-hos and the Twinkies and these things. And, and emphasizing that protein is good, but jacking your protein sky high is not beneficial. And that's really what the Mediterranean diet's about. Now, sometimes you guys know you got to bring protein up pretty high to build. That's true. But as a way of life, and I think in different strategies of dieting, I think higher protein Mediterranean or pescatarian dieting is just unmatched. Tell the listeners, guys, if you would, what kind of protein sources you do like to recommend when they're either, you know, low FODMAP or modified Mediterranean. Jay. So generally what I do with protein is if they're going to use a protein powder, I go whey isolate and I want it very pure. Um, Again, you got to look at your sweeteners. Um, I I don't like beef right away. Um, Beef, although it's on the low FODMAP, that's another one that I modify. Um, I always say beef's hardest to digest, although I learned two weeks ago, Vince says the research says chicken's harder. Um, but I always have way more problem myself. And I also have more problem with my females when they eat, when they eat beef. So I pull beef, I allow chicken, turkey, fish. I like a lot of fish. Uh, fish is very flaky and very easy to digest. Um, egg whites are very easy. So I'm trying to proteins that, um, in my opinion, easy to digest. Uh, the jury's still out on whether I should go back to beef and now tell them no chicken, but I have not done that yet. <laughs> the only reason, one of the reasons I like to leave in beef is that we get the diet down. Unfortunately, you're not getting a lot of sources of iron. Now, I know you like, Jay, you like to supplement with the beef liver tabs yep. uh, sometimes on that from Beverly. Yep. Um, but uh, that's one of the reasons I leave beef in. But at, at the same time, you're exactly right. Everyone's going to be a little bit different. Um, what the story that we give you is going to require trial and error. If you go into digestion and don't recognize the fact that it's going to be more like a Rubik's cube where you try a couple yeah. things and then have to keep playing with it till you get it right. That's the process. And you need to get comfortable with that before you even begin this process. But Jay's right. Those are great proteins. The easiest thing to digest by far is fish, but it does get hard to eat 9 million ounces of fish. Yes, on a day it does. But the more, the more difficult the case, the more fish I recommend, um, just that just because again it's so flaky and easy to digest um one thing that you know when i have people reintroduce because i had a i had a gal just finally get done my my um uh protocol my 5r is is about eight weeks and um we started we put back uh fodmaps one at a time so that we can kind of see like for you know maybe a week i think she was just jonesing for asparagus she just really likes asparagus so we put those back 
And so just we do one food at a time just to kind of see if anything's causing any problems. I don't know if Vince does it the same way or he just kind of yep. says, but uh, that's how I work things back in. So answer this, guys, if you don't mind, because this is something a lot of people um, ask questions about when it comes to removing dairy. They want to know if they need to remove whey protein, specifically a whey protein isolate. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Let me – so on this topic, it's very important to understand that this is where if you don't understand manufacturing of supplementation, you're, you're at the whim of just marketing uh, slogans and campaigns. So the processing of protein, the breakdown and the, the separation of it, uh, most companies do not go through a, a process of aggressive – filtering. So there's still lactose components that are kept to it. Whey by itself, and, when, and this is something I know 100% because we do the sensitivity testing in here, the really advanced testing. An individual may have an issue with lactose, but they'll do just fine on cottage cheese, a little bit of Greek yogurt, the cream of the milk, or the whey if it's really been purified. But when it's purified, if they destroy the whey, if they roll it or they heat it, you actually denature the amino acids inside of it. So most consumers are either left with too much lactose and fillers that cause digestive issues, yep. or they get whey protein that's not doing anything for them. It's just as bad as if they didn't digest the food and the amino acids kept trapped and went out your colon at the end because whether they're in there or you can't digest them well, you're stuck either way. That's why we developed IsoPerfect. Yeah. If you look at your whey protein, ours is like a flower. It's very, very fine and pure. If yours has kind of got little granules and clumpy eh, and it bothers your stomach to begin with, I mean, there's your sign. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I just, I have a lot of people that ask me that, you know, they're lactose intolerant and they typically don't have a problem on an isolate. But when someone says remove dairy, people are like, well, fuck, I don't know if I'm supposed to move, remove that or not. So that's, that's why I wanted to kind of touch on that. That's a good question. L lactose, this is a great one because lactose is actually a, a milk sugar that binds in milk. So similar to the gluten, you're looking at a binding structure. So those same people that tend to have a lactose issue, and, and whether they are lactose intolerant or not, usually is from birth. Adult onset's not true lactose intolerance. And those people can actually, if they start adding it back in very slowly, can begin to tolerate milk again if they're taking the right probiotics, lactobacillus acidophilus over time, and really do a five-hour gut program with one of your great coaches, um, they can actually go back to eating dairy again. I don't want people to be afraid of dairy. We still know, all of us know, that the most, when you crack open a protein, whey isolate, or whey is still king in terms of the amino acids it gives you, whey or casing, in terms of the amino acids that it gives you inside of that. There will never that 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 research, that evidence tells us that we should still, we shouldn't shy away from whey. We can diversify our protein sources, but never shy away. So the the next thing that I want to ask you guys and kind of talk about is because here's the thing, we're going to have to do a part two on this kind of an advanced part two, if that makes sense. Um, just because this is so time consuming. So we'll, we'll be back with another episode, but you know, say what I want you guys to do two more things on the show. Think about some kind of a case study where you guys can talk about someone that you fixed kind of from beginning to end. Um, or maybe you guys have worked on someone together. It doesn't matter, but let's give people an idea of the most common ones that might be one of the listeners out there. And then, then, you know, while you guys are thinking about this, I want you guys to think about 
after you fix someone, a lot of people don't understand. They're like, well, fuck, do I just have to eat this way all the time? What's it look like when someone's done? Can they get back to drinking fucking monsters every day? Can they get back to having whey protein three times a day that's, you know, got all kinds of sweeteners in it? Can they eat pizza once a week? Like some people, they're going to be so mentally um, paralyzed that they, because they don't understand this topic. They don't understand how to kind of move and get back to normal eating or can they, right? So that's kind of what I want you guys to talk about. So either one of you, whoever wants to kick it off, do you have a good example? Vince, you're the guest. You've got a lot of people that have come to you that want to prep because that's most people on this show and their hormones are out of whack or their gut health is out of whack. Kind of talk about what you've done to fix that person and given you don't have to name them. Give an example of where they started, how you helped them, and then where, how they transitioned afterwards. I mean, the, the normal common story, and for anybody who wants to check out my, my Instagram, uh, nutrition underscore. Oh, it's loaded. You got a ton of people on there. Yeah. You know, the number of, of, of av, even just let's say because of the base of the people I think might be listening, let's talk about athletes. Let's talk about fitness um, uh, goers. Um, the number one thing I tend to see is that post-dieting, uh, SIBO uh, and rebound and how distended the gut gets. And these people, what happens to them is your gut starts getting bigger when you eat food. So you want to stop going out with your friends and eating. You start feeling uncomfortable uh, in the clothes you are because your waistline keeps expanding and you think it might be fat, but you can't tell what's going on. Then you're starting to have problems at the toilet where you're either going every two seconds or you have to sit on it for a really long time. These people get very uh, fatigued so they're they can sleep and they get up and they don't feel recovered and now they start getting socially um awkward about their digestive issues and the fact that they're bloated they can't get in a bathing suit they just were looking so good and now they feel nine months pregnant and whether they wake up in the morning they're pregnant they're bloated or when they go to sleep at night they're bloated and then we put these people through a process of the 5r program and literally their stomachs over the course of six to eight weeks will drop right back into a six or eight pack uh, depending on the individual, if they already had that or not, if they didn't, right back to a slender stomach. They're going normally twice a day, and um, their energy goes through the roof. And the number one thing with females, your anxiety is directly tied to your gut health because 60 to 70% of your neurotransmitters, like uh, GABA, which is calming, or 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 glutamate, which is excitatory, is held in your gut. So how many of you fitness ladies out there, are, your brains are running a million times a minute and you just think it's you. But I swear, if you worked on your gut, you're, you'd be so much clearer headed, calmer, it'd be easier to sleep. Yeast and the bacteria that are in your gut dictate the kinds of neurotransmitters you produce. So yeah. these women that get the guts to relax, their minds relax. Their minds relax. Jay, go ahead. Is it, well, isn't 80% of serotonin uh, produced in the gut? Something yes. Like that? So when you look at overall neurotransmitters, about 60 to 70% in that neighborhood are kept in there. But then there are certain ones like serotonin that is a higher percentage is actually kept in the gut. So it's Which is wild. I mean, I thought it was always brain until I started learning, you know, all these things. Norepinephrine is directly tied to your brain. You, if you take in a food, you've got seconds for your body to decide whether it wants to accept it or get rid of it through puking. And so that's why they're so tied together. It meant your thoughts and your nausea and your happiness literally kind of come from your stomach. Yeah, it's wild. Jay, why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about a story you had? Um, 
Well, so, I mean, I had a SIBO case recently heal up, but I've also pulled a guy off of PPI and really fixed that digestion. And, and both of them have kind of unique um, kind of endings. Do, do either of those sound more enticing, John? First, PPIs are, PPIs are proton pump inhibitors. Yes. They, are the, they are prevacid, and it's one of the yes. most prescribed medications on the planet for something actually called hypercohedria, which only 5% of people with acid reflux have hypo. They actually aren't making enough acid. Correct. And Jay was pulling it off and had a success story. I think you should talk about that. Okay. So I had a bodybuilder come to me. Um, he's, he's a bigger guy. I'm 240 pounds. Pretty good physique, actually. And um, <clears throat> he was put on proton pump inhibitors, uh, Prevacid, actually. And just like Vince said, you know, usually these are given because it's believed that the stomach is producing too much acid and that's what's causing the reflux. But like Vince also said, that's generally not the case, which actually is happening usually because of life stress. There's too much training. They're producing not enough stomach acid and food sitting and fermenting. And then I don't know the exact technical, but, it, but when it sits and ferments, that actually causes acid to rise back up. And then there's a little flap in there and it, and it gets up in there and then you feel it down in your throat. I realize that's not super technical. Vince can probably give you the more technical, but the, but that's what's happening. It's too low. And so I explained this to him and I said, until we get you off of this, you are not going to make good gains in the gym. And I said, you're not, you're, you're malabsorbed. You're, you know, you have malabsorption basically because of this PPI and he wanted off of them. So what I usually do is I, I start cutting it in half. I don't remove it immediately because I find if you move it immediately, acid can come back way too fast. So I started cutting his dose in half. And then after the first week, I then went ahead. Once it was cut in half, I added some betaine hydrochloric in. I used Metagest in this, in this case, if everyone's curious. Uh, it's a Metagenics, and we have it at Feed for Function at our site. Um, and I just put two capsules with his meals. While I was also doing that and started that, we started zinc carnosine to his mucosal lining. And I kept working the PPI dose backwards to the point by the third week, uh, third full week, he was off of it. He was just completely on the betanes. He was just completely on the zinc carnosine, 75 mix twice a day. With protein, I pulled it back. Remember us talking about that. It's harder to digest. So I pulled his protein back to one gram per pound. Um, and I also then started working in digestive enzymes for him. And um, he literally said his digestion feels the best it's ever felt. His quads have already leaned out. He's gained weight. And I haven't even really pushed his food up yet. But why is that happening? It's happening because he's now digesting his food. And because the body's less inflamed and it's working properly, it doesn't sense that it's starved. So now his metabolism's starting to work again. So it's a beautiful thing when you can fix these things and now on the on the other side of it he had high blood pressure i got him off two blood pressure medications I mean, we can do a whole other episode on what supplements i've used for that but he's now got like his blood pressure better than mine it was like 121 over 66 now he's got perfect digestion and he's going to tell other people about that and that's how you build a business you change lives so um it was a very good outcome he's already like i said leaner uh, growing on less food and he's got perfect digestion and you know that comes with better mood and, and everything else like Vince just talked about. No that's 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 absolutely perfect so guys if you would talk about 
what to do after. So you've talked about a couple different cases that you fixed, but a lot of people listening are like, listen, like I want to be able to fucking eat pizza once a week. I want to be able to go out and have ice cream or, you know, like, like me, I want some fucking monsters. Right. But I'm not drinking them right now. People to be able to adhere, you can't just eat like a fucking robot year round. So how do you guys kind of help people transition and what does that look like? What do you allow them to transition to? All right. So eating the fun foods is a privilege and not a right. And it's important to remember that it's like driving because when, if you restrict certain foods for long periods of time and then try to just dump them back into the gut, uh, circulation or circulating rounds of that will eventually cause problem. So you want to, you want to make your gut resilient. One of the things I tell people at nutrition dynamic, once you come to me as a client, I say, our goal is not asymptomatology, meaning that I'm not here to just get your symptom gone. The goal is resiliency. So it's not asymptomatology, it's resiliency. Because resiliency allows you to have what I call metabolic freedom. To be able to live some and have a good life, but also have some balance. Nothing's going to protect you from being an asshole. If you want to drink five nights a week, eat a bunch of pizza, I can barely hope to keep all the holes plugged. That's on you. Uh, there's no one that can make you sustain that kind of lifestyle. However, if you're someone that still wants to partake in a generally healthy lifestyle and then have your fun moments and not worry about whether that's going to cause an issue or not, then your goal needs to be resiliency. The ways that you do that is after you get done with a dieting program is that you start working up your threshold, eating slowly up some FODMAPs, adding one at a time, yep. getting your fiber. And, I'm, and this is a topic I'm really going to push in the community. And is if you guys, especially coaches listening, if you can get or talk to your clients, that's why I like Mediterranean dieting. It's really, really big. It's still generally plant-based. And the big part about that is it gets higher fiber. So the higher your food intake goes back up, if you can get that fiber up to, for females to 55 to 65 grams and for males to 65 to 75 grams, if you can do it over time, when you go back and do a prep or a cut, your gut is going to be so thick with healthy fibrous lining that the chances of getting an event reduce significantly. That and, makes sense to me. I just don't know if I can get there, but I get yeah, that. Yeah, right. And, but the, well, the problem is a, your ratio. So we should talk about that later. You yeah. want a one-to-one ratio between insoluble and soluble fiber. So That's you right. Tolerate it. Uh, that'll be a conversation we do another day. But, and then, and then you work it up. You take the right probiotics that are strain identified. Don't be taking junk-ass probiotics out there. They're the what's <laughs> causing SIBO, by the way, yep. ladies and gentlemen. If I go out there and just, you know, take whatever probiotic, and I don't actually know what bacteria is in it, Bacteria also cause problems, not just gives you benefits. So uh, taking the right probiotics, we like Flora Protect and Ultra Flora Balance um, and some others. But, um, and then making sure on your larger meals, you probably do throw in a hydrochloric acid tab just to make sure that you digest well. And the last one, I've got a gift for everybody listening tonight. Um, over the last three years, uh, researchers have been, have been trying to understand celiac disease. And because of it, they have given a blessing to all of us who want to live a normal life and never have to bloat because of it. They realize Aspergillus niger, it's a fungus. It, it, reduces, it produces an enzyme called ANPEP. This ANPEP enzyme breaks down binding proteins. Remember, we talked binding proteins prior and how the lactose binding proteins and gluten and glutenin proteins and, and maybe even later on, you know, you've got guar gum and natural things. It's a binding protein. It'll eventually start causing problems in people. Breaking apart these binding proteins, when you want to eat something like pizza, when it looks like pizza, however, that's not what it looked like before. 
it needed things to shape it. So that's the binding elements. So when I go out, I tend to eat a, a low gluten or a gluten-free pizza because I feel so much better anyway. But if I go and I don't know what's in it and I just want to enjoy it, I pop one of these enzymes. They tested it in celiac patients. They stuffed two feeding tubes up their nose. One went up 20 grams of gluten in a celiac patient and the other a couple grams of this ANPEP enzyme. And it broke down the gluten, the binding protein, before it entered the small intestine where the immune system can get a hold of it. And to the normal listener, that means on occasion, don't go crazy with that information. You can take a product called Gluten Digest. It's on our website, nutritiondynamic.com, or on our site for Feed for Function. Um, and you can carry a couple of these in your pocket, and you can eat one, and you won't have any bloat and enjoy your, yourself. But that doesn't mean don't fix your gut. So I hate telling people that. <laughs> Gluten Digest, it's an amazing product. And, uh, but again, John, as you just said, it's about you know healthy fibers, still keeping generally clean diet, good probiotic the occasional digestive enzyme, um, taking some prebiotics. Um, a very simple one would be uh, like things like in sauerkraut or some kefir or, you know, things like that. It's keeping them in your diet that feed the good bacteria. Green tea actually feeds the good bacteria too. Yeah, decaffeinated green tea is a great yeah. option as well. Great, Jay. But that's, that's what you would do and then slowly introduce these foods because introduction's the key. Elimination, John, is the number one reason for sensitivities. If I never eat something, it's the number one reason I'm going to have a problem with it later. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I really like that. You said that, you know, eating, eating is a privilege, right? And you kind of set yourself up to be able to eat. That makes a lot of sense. So for our yeah. listeners, you know, that's huge because everybody, it's almost like in prep, like they, they restrict themselves so much and they, they think they're entitled to just go eat like assholes after, you know, it kind of makes sense. You know, once you clean, it's kind of like cleaning. I had to tell one of my clients, um, listen, if you're trying to clean your fucking house, but you keep walking in with muddy shoes, you're not fixing the fucking problem. You're just, you're one step forward, one step back. And I see a lot of people when it comes to gut health, especially my clients, I'm trying to help. Like they just keep, they keep taking one step forward, one step back, and they're not really getting there. But I, I like how you said that, uh, you know, we're going to get into a more advanced part two of this, where we're going to talk about different protocols and what you guys like to do and really get into the supplementation supplementation side of it is there yeah. anything else that you guys want to add that maybe we should add for this episode that you can think of but again we're going to have a part two but anything else you guys want to touch on today i mean i think we should just sum things up just for what we kind of went over you know like you know if you're having gut problems um i mean we talked about tonight like you know look at your diet like you know like like we talked about remove some of the things now that are causing inflammation so you can get that down um, look at how much uh, Splenda you, you eat and aspartame and all those things. Try to just pull that out. And maybe, you know, we've, we did talk about digestive enzymes. We did talk about betaine. Try some of those things and just see where you're at. And, you know, we didn't give all the nuts and bolts of a 5R program yet. And like you said, we, we can do that for another episode. But just start there and be cognizant of things. And, and I'm telling you, I was one of those people that used to put fucking Splenda on everything. Like my oats, Splenda. You know, like I put it on I just anything I ate, cream of rice, Splenda, you know, um, I drank Diet Cokes all the time and I was always bloated mess just by removing that and letting that inflammation come down and then adding digestive enzymes, getting a probiotic in there. It helped a lot. You know, if you're not suffering from a really horrible, you know, gut, you know, bacteria infestation, just those simple things are going to are going to help and you're going to start digesting your food better. Uh, where I would sum up is 
your gut is not an oracle. So just because you have a negative response to a food one time doesn't mean you should eliminate it from your diet forever. That is actually the fastest way to causing more problems. Um, most people that go vegetarian, I show them later that it wasn't a, your body doesn't hate protein because you had bloating when you ate, you know, some chicken. It's because your digestive environment, the microbiome, something's off in your lawn and you're growing a nice lawn. So starting with something as simple as chewing your food more, resting more when you're eating and not drinking as much water when you, when you eat, trying some digestive enzymes, um, trying to pull out a couple of these elements and then going back and eating those foods. I bet you see, it wasn't because your body was telling you your body didn't like that food. It was saying that something was off in the whole, your, your yard or your microbiome. And if you just changed a couple of things, you would see um, bloat-free, easier time in the bathroom, better looking stomach life, you know? No, that's, that's great. And you know, there's one more thing I'm looking at the show notes here that, that I did want to touch on um, because cortisol is so important when it comes to, you know, you guys kind of mentioned at the beginning of the show, how cortisol is definitely tied to gut health. Um, what about the difference the differences between someone who's natty and someone who's assisted? Because, you know, if you go back and listen to episode three on optimizing testosterone, we talk a lot about HRT. We talk about natural versus enhanced athletes and cortisol is just naturally going to be lower in someone who's on either HRT or that just is doing their own, um, they're running their own gear. Yeah. You guys seeing this more in natural versus assisted athletes? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, well, I mean, when I look at those, so when we look at Dutch tests and blood work, let me talk at least from that perspective. Um, what we're seeing the difference in these, in these athletes is that with, with uh, the, okay. Natural athletes, a lot of times in the cut have to, you have to train them more. It seems to get the harder look because part of what you're trying to do is deplete ironically, some of the hormone to bring them in. It does that. And the way that you train, I tend to find that, yes, their cortisols are higher, and that cortisol level being that high will interrupt the conversion of androgens or androstenedione, androsterone, into testosterone. And so you're going to get a blockage of pregnenolone dropping down into uh, the androgen pool with higher cortisol levels. So I do tend to find that that is a that is, becomes a really important area for people who are natural, uh, more so even than those that are assisted. Not that it's not important for both, but if the natural community doesn't really start to tie into this, cortisol, when it's too high, is going to make digestion worse because your body has two ways of going. Think I've got 50 points to put into two different categories. Either my player, I'm making a player on, online, like NBA 2K. And either can be faster or jump taller or jump higher. And I only can put, you know, so many points in each one. I can't put all 50 points to fill up the bar in both. Your body has to make a decision about where it's going to put its points. Yeah. And it decides how to do that based on how stressed you are. So if you're putting all of your points into speed, your jump is going to be terrible and you're going to make a terrible player out of that. It has to be a balance. So if an athlete is pushing themselves so hard in the gym and their cortisol is getting way too high, then, then now the body cannot put points into digestion. And so digestion gets way inefficient. And that's, again, that's what's going to start 
the food's going to start digesting on your tissue. Proteins putrefy, fats rancidify, carbohydrates ferment, and now you're not absorbing as much, and you're going to get more muscle breakdown because you're not, you can't fix it, and your cortisol's really high, and it's calling for more breakdown of that, of that muscle. Yeah, it's it, it's just one of those things. Just me anecdotally, just noticing over the years, it's mostly you know, Jason goes back to metabolic compensation. It's mostly natural females that that yep. we're seeing this kind of stuff with. To me, it's mostly those people that I'm seeing the digestion issues with too. You know, I'm rereading the cortisol connection, um, and he makes it very clear in there. Uh, the author says, you know, cortisol up, uh, it's catabolic, uh, anabolic's down, testosterone drops, testosterone up, cortisol down. So, you know, if you're a natural athlete, push, 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 we know testosterone starts to fall. And we know if you're push, 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 cortisol's rising. And then you've got that whole cascade Vince just kind of told you about. But if you are an assisted athlete, testosterone's not not dropping as you get lean. So I'm making um, a poor request online for everyone to hear to petition to have me back because I want to have on a separate topic, I want to talk about what should be we should have a theoretical conversation about protecting athletes that should allow to at least have normal hormone levels and still be classified as natural. Can we do that one time, guys? Please, I'd love to have that conversation. Oh, man, you're going to break the internet if we go there, which actually it's a great, it's a great topic. You can cut this so, out, brother. You can cut this out. I just had to say it. No, no, that'll be a good topic. So, Vince, real quick, your Instagram is at Vince underscore Pitstick. You've got nutritiondynamic.com. Um, yeah. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can reach out through um, our um, uh, website, nutritiondynamic.com. You can message us on our Instagram for nutrition underscore dynamic. That's singular, not plural, um, uh, on Instagram there. Or you can call our office, 513-484-5546. And then you can also email us at uh, customer support at nutritiondynamic.com. I really want to encourage, I'm trying to do something different. It's costing us a lot of money, but I'm going to do it anyway. I've started a YouTube series. This is, I'm new at this, but we're really traveling to these crazy stories of lives that have been changed. I want, instead of you hearing it from me, the coach, and me blowing myself up and like how great I am, I want to take you into the lives of these individuals and show you how real natural functional coaching can be because I want to raise up before yeah, I'm yeah. done. I hope we raise up an army of health and performance and prep coaches that help change lives. And, and when you look at it in its face and we, we go to their house and we surprise them and tell their story, um, I think it's going to just, it's going to spread because hope spreads and, and possibility spreads. And so I'm just starting it now. We've got so many episodes we're about to launch. It's called The Road Less Traveled because that's been my whole life story. I've always taken the road everybody says not to. And I, and I think that you guys are going to love it. It's a visual. You can also listen to it, of course, but it's, it's nice to be able to see and hear at the same time on YouTube called Road Less Traveled. Check out Nutrition Dynamic uh, on uh, YouTube. Awesome, man. So, uh, guys, it's been a fun episode. Again, listeners, we will be back. So if you don't mind, hit pause, leave us a review, hit those stars, leave us a quick review. We really appreciate that. When we get to 200, we're going to do a big, big, big giveaway. I can't wait to tell you guys what we're going to give away. Um, But go ahead and do that for us, please. And then, uh, guys, we're just going to go ahead and close it down for myself, Jason, and Vince. We're out of here. Thanks, guys. See ya.